Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. It's great to see all of you here today and great to be back. But uh, growing up, I grew up in Arizona, and I once heard a story of a tough old cowboy who counseled his granddaughter that uh, if she wanted to live a long and good life, the secret was to take a pinch of gunpowder and sprinkle it on her oatmeal every morning. And uh, the granddaughter did this religiously until the age of 103 when she died. And uh, when she died, she appeared to have a great life. She left behind 14 children, 30 grandchildren, uh, 45 great-grandchildren, and 25 great-great-grandchildren. And a giant hole, a 40-foot hole, where the crematorium used to be. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. But anyway, uh, it's, yeah, I, I died all week. And Steve, you laughed at it too when I first ran it by you. So anyway, but uh, we, the point here is, is that we all, we all want a good life. And it's really easy to turn the desire for a good life into an idol. Even demand God, demand from God a good life when things don't appear to be going good. When things don't appear to be going our way. And this is ultimately the warning in our gospel reading today from Jesus. We read about two brothers and they come to Jesus and they're fighting over their inheritance and they want Jesus to arbitrate. Now Jesus will be the judge over the living and the dead. But the point Jesus is making is is that, you know, I'm not here to do this stuff. I'm here to fulfill the law, you know, and this is what it's all about, not just be your simple mediator. And I can tell you how many families, I can't tell you how many families I know who've been torn apart by inheritance disputes with everyone demanding their fair share. Maybe that's happened to you in your life. However, what happens is that Jesus uses this incident as a warning to his disciples and all of us to be on the guard against the quest for making the good life the be-all, end-all. Jesus says, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Take care, be on your guard. These are warnings to which Jesus offers us a parable to illustrate what it is to take care and to be on guard. It is about a rich man, this parable. And remember, parables aren't morals. They're not morality tales. They are uh, earthly illustrations of heavenly truths. And so this one's about a rich man who had a particularly strong harvest. The land of a rich man produced plentifully, he says. And this excess creates a crisis what to do with all of this stuff, where to store it. And so he embarks on an ambitious program. I've been thinking about that guy all day today who just won the billion-dollar lottery, you know? What's he going to do with all that stuff? It actually becomes a really cruel burden in a lot of ways. Well, this particular man in our parable today, he um, embarks on an ambitious building plan. I'm going to tear down the old barns, and I'm going to big, big, build bigger ones to store my grain and my goods. 
And then, after that's all said and done, building and storing, I'm finally going to retire. I'm going to relax. I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. I'm going to kick back. I'm going to have some fun from all this hard work. And one of the points that's being illustrated here is where is the man's, where is the man's comfort found? Notice my stuff. Notice his comfort is found in the things, his rest, his reward. His good life consists of the stuff. There's just one small problem. And that problem you and I all face as well. And that is you're not guaranteed tomorrow. That night, his life would be over, the parable says. And all the things he labored over and worried about and planned would wind up going where? To probate court. And then what? And then what? It's a tragedy and it's played out over and over in life too often. A rich man who has no joy in his riches or someone and they've got all these grandiose plans that they've been working for and then all of a sudden they can never come to fruition because the plan is cut short by cancer. The plan is cut short by a heart attack. The plan is cut short by an accident. As King Solomon wrote so wisely in the book of Ecclesiastes, it's all ultimately vanity. It's all ultimately emptiness. Nothing more than chasing after the wind. <laughs> Merry Christmas, you know. But this is my first point, and it's a very important one. Jesus' message in this parable is actually it's offensive to you and I. When it's properly understood, it's to get our backs up a little bit. Because none of us intrinsically like this. That everything you've earned is passing away. That no one's going to actually remember it. I mean, just think about it. Can you name off the top of your head the 27th president right now? Can you tell me the Ottoman emperor who brought uh, like 16th century reforms to the Ottoman Empire? It was a big deal then. It's all passing away though. It's all vanity and we hate it. However, when we get at the core of this parable, what we begin to understand though is that Jesus is teaching us counterintuitively the important step to understanding the good life. And it's counterintuitive because the key to the good life is to know that all that we've worked so hard for is ultimately passing away. I don't know about you, but that initially really rubs me the wrong way. You know? I want to be remembered. I want it to be about me. So the question then becomes, how does one live well? How does one live in this age with any sort of real meaning? If everything you do is ultimately passing away. Well, St. Paul, in our reading from Colossians today, gives us the counterintuitive answer. He says, if you have been raised with Christ... And you have been baptized, so you've been buried with Christ, and you've been raised with Christ. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God. 
Now, what does this mean? What is Paul getting at right here? Well, it's important. It's an important truth and one where I daily need to be reminded of because I get so fixated on all the horizontal stuff. My identity gets wrapped up in all of these things that I've accomplished, all of this stuff that just kind of piles up in the closet of life. And I need to be reminded that all of that stuff piled in the closet of my life is not my life. And all of the stuff piled up in the closets of your life is not your life. It's just stuff. Your life, your life, your real life, the true you as God created and intended, as St. Paul says, is hidden right now. It's hidden with Christ and God. And it's hidden because you can't see it. You see, so often we get focused on the stuff, and this is what creates the dividing lines. You know, Jew, Greek, free, slave, Scythian, those were the categories then. What are they now? All sorts of things. Progressive, conservative, this, that, you know. And we get focused on the stuff in our identities, and this is what creates the dividing walls of hostility. You know, you're not doing enough. You don't really understand it. I'm doing so much more. And we forget that all of that is just stuff, and it's all passing away, and that our identities are hidden in Christ God And it is hidden because you can't see it. And hence, preaching the gospel is so important because you must be reminded, I must be reminded on a daily basis who you are. A Christian. And you need to be reminded whose you are. God in Christ. Your life is not your own. And you need to be reminded how much God loves and has forgiven you in his son, Jesus Christ, and has declared you righteous now. It's hidden. You can't see it. Hence, you need to hear it. And this is my second point. The good life, you see, the good life is not so much about amassing a lot of things. Rather, the good life is about being raised with Christ and seeking Him, seeking the things that are above. It means that your life, as you now live it, is not a matter of building bigger barns to store more grain so you can enjoy your life in the future. Rather, the good life, the good life is about living by faith in the Son of God, who loves you and has laid his life down for you to save you and who gives you life in abundance which you right now cannot even imagine. It's all yours. And so then the question becomes what does the good life look like in our day-to-day lives? What's it look like in a practical sense? Well, it tends to take the shape of holding on to our identities, of holding on to our possessions, of holding on to our things in this life pretty loosely. Loosely. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. When people tell me how much I need to give up, 
I always think to my, I mean, I smile at them, but then I tell them, you first, you know? I mean, really, that is to set your things on the horizontal stuff and not focused up on Christ. The problem becomes, you see, when we hold on to things too tightly. You know, I am in my most insufferable. You can ask Melina. I am at my most insufferable when I'm hanging on to things tightly. When I fall into that mindset of, I deserve this. This is mine. Because what's happening when that happens, when we're holding on to things tightly, is that we are finding our worth. We are finding our identities in the things that are below, in the things of this world that are passing away, rather than, as St. Paul says, on the things that are above. I remember when I was 24, and I bought my very first car. Now, um, I could have bought a car in my price range, but I needed a bigger barn as I bought that brand new spanking car because I wanted to compete with all of my friends who graduated from the University of Arizona with engineering degrees, and I went into, like, youth ministry. So, like, I needed to, like, show them, hey, man, the ministry's cool, you know what I mean? Because I had a couple of friends who were like, so how long are you going to be in this phase, you know? And so I bought this car, and it was crazy expensive. Uh, it had, it was, but it was sweet. It had a tape deck and a CD player, and I could put multiple CDs in there at one time. And then it had Bose speakers. It had an amazing aqua paint job and a shiny, perfect finish. I got limo-tinted windows in that thing. And I insanely bought this thing on a youth minister's salary, which meant that I didn't eat for like six months. It's just like ramen every day. So anyway, uh, and, uh, but the truth was, is I had this car. And just think about all of the things that you've invested your identity in. I had that car... And I never enjoyed that car once. I always parked it at the far end of the grocery store parking lot because I was worried some idiot was going to like bang into it with their grocery carts. Um, I, uh, when my wife, like she got a job in Pittsburgh and, it, and she had to drive a lot and it drove me crazy because I had all this anxiety and resentment because of the mileage that was being added on. And I literally almost had a breakdown when we got the first major ding on that car. I didn't ask how Melina was doing. I was like, how's the car? You know? It's insane. I never enjoyed that car one bit. Stupid car. And it's true. My identity was wrapped in it. And what's your identity wrapped in on a horizontal level, on things that are below? Because those things consume you. What St. Paul says is so true. That, that which I thought would bring me life, ultimately brought me death. And it stripped me, that car, that thing, and they are still there, they're different now, that I'm like, you know, 25 years older. But that thing, and those things, those things below, strip you of the gift of enjoying life. It stripped me of enjoying life and all that luxury transportation can provide. King Solomon, and I encourage you to go and read Ecclesiastes. King Solomon would write in chapter 2, verse 24, There is nothing better for a person than that we should eat and drink and find enjoyment in your toil. 
because this also is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? Reread the collect. Apart from his goodness, the church is tanked. I bought that car for like $22,000. And my wife and I finally sold it for five before we came to New York. This is my third point. What does the good life look like? It looks like a life with stuff, and it looks like a life without stuff. But always the good life looks like Jesus at the center, the one who is above, the one who is redeeming all things, reconciling all things, making all things, including your life, new. For without Jesus, life is simply a race against decay, a futile running after the wind, an emptiness that can never, ever be filled, no matter how many ways we indulge ourselves. So remember, my friends, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, whatever's going on in your life, your life is hidden, and you have been given the good life because you are baptized into Christ. And he holds your life in a way that you cannot. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So until then, enjoy your work, enjoy your food, enjoy your drink, enjoy your family. And as St. Rihanna so powerfully sang along with that T.I. track, enjoy your life. Hey, 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 hey. Enjoy your life. Because it's not yours. Enjoy your life. Because it's all gift. It's all gift from God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. Produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.